Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. All right, so throughout the year, I'll group my messages into series so we can tackle specific subjects thoroughly. But in the summer, we shake it up. We change things up. So during June and July, we bring you something different each week, different speakers, different messages, different subjects. It's just a great time to enjoy variety in the body of Christ and to have a little fun. Last week, I brought you a message called LGBTFAQ, where I answered common questions Christians have about LGBTQ. And let me tell you, it's already one of my most watched messages online. Can you believe that? If you missed it last week, you can catch it on YouTube or go to our website. You'll find it there. But today, we get to hear from Candace Smith. Come on up, Candace. You guys know her as our bass player. She served on the worship team here for years and years. But she's also a band director at a high school. Did you guys know that? That's awesome. And man, I'm thankful to have good teachers like Candace in our school system who are displaying Jesus for our kids to see because we need that. Yeah, that's awesome. So Candace is a gift to the body of Christ, and we're glad that she's part of our family. We're glad you're part of our family. So let's give it up for Candace. She's going to bring us the word. I'm going to lower this down for you because it's a little high. I'm not as tall as Cade, so that would be very helpful. So yes, if you don't know me, uh, I am also uh, the band director of, yes, perfect, thank you, of Locust Grove from Locust Grove, Oklahoma. My husband now, Paul was at Salina. Wave, Wave your hand, Paul. We were rival schools. Our first football game was together, and it would, we would do the battle of the bands, his band versus my band. My band always won, of course. <laughs> Only because I have the microphone can I say that my band was the winner. <laughs> uh, but this, uh, this year, we actually got the opportunity. Our choir director was leaving, and he was an amazing teacher as well. But he was leaving, and our superintendent called me. Can you turn this down a little bit? I feel like, oh. Uh, we had the opportunity, he said, could we do a choir slash band director position? And I said, probably, let's do it. And so I called Paul, I was like, hey, would you like to come work with me, be the choir director and the assistant band director? And he's like, no, (laughs) I don't want to work with you. That sounds awful. (sighs) But now he is. So either way, I win. So first, first of all, I honestly didn't even realize it was going to be Father's Day. I knew in my head it was until yesterday. It, I think it's funny. Before Mother's Day, there's two weeks of commercials like, don't forget Mother's Day. Don't forget Mother's Day. Don't forget. Guys, don't forget. Children, don't forget. It's Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. And then today it was just, oh, yeah, happy Father's Day. <laughs> there's, like, there's no big deal for the fathers. So first of all, I want to thank you, fathers, for stepping in. Sometimes when no one else does, some, some of our fathers are fathers and mothers too. You do both jobs, the same of our mothers. Some of our mothers do both jobs here. So thank you very much. And even if you don't feel like you've done much, I can tell you, you've done a lot. I, I was thinking back this morning on a person who was a father in the Lord to me when I was young. He was 17, 18, but because of his spirituality and his consistency, I considered him a father in the Lord. And so many of you, no matter what your age or what you've done or what you've gone through, you were looked at as fathers and great things. And hopefully my dad's watching right now. He hasn't texted me yet. He always likes to text me right in the middle of something, especially if I'm walking onto the band field. If I'm getting a phone call, it's my dad's in the stand doing this. 
which is a big deal because he lives in New Mexico. So he would drive all the way from Placidas, New Mexico to NSU to wherever I was just to call me as I'm walking on the field and I can't answer my phone. Always. Sometimes I wouldn't even know he was there. It would just, my phone would start ringing and I would just start looking. Where is he? I know that's him. And he would just be, I'm over here. Does everything he can to embarrass me so that nothing ever can embarrass me. (laughs) So, Dad, if you're watching, thank you for being a good man and an awesome man. Thank you for being consistent in my life. Thank you for showing me what a true father does and how good he is because not everyone has grown up with a good and faithful father like I did. So thank you. So my message today is one because of Paul and because of his relationship with his father. Uh, Paul was a new Christian when we met. Actually, he wasn't much of a Christian when we met, if I could say that. I don't know. (laughs) This is going to be a great conversation on the way home today. (laughs) If you don't know where Salina is, it's an hour drive, and we sit in the car next to each other for an hour. So it's it's great if we could go 30 minutes without arguing on the way home. So we were having a conversation, and for whatever reason, I was preaching at Paul, and I was telling him how God was good, and God was just, and he's, and God is a good father, and a faithful father, and, and Paul didn't grow up with a great father, and Paul was like, no, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand God as a good father. I understand God as a vengeful father, God as a, if you don't do it right, I'm going to beat you, father. If you don't do this, I'm going to take care of it, in other words, father, not a good father. I was like, no. Our father is a good father. And he said, well, if he's a good father, then why did he let these things happen to me? Because Paul, I'm not going to reveal everything, so Paul doesn't really hate me when we leave here. (laughs) But Paul's father had to spend some time in jail for good reason. And and Paul was actually mad that he didn't have to spend as much time in jail as he should have. That was Paul's thought. He only had six, seven years, and he thought he should have been in jail for the rest of his life, or he should have ended his life, the, the state should have ended his life in jail. That's what he was thinking based on what uh, his father, the, the sins that his father had committed. And so he was asking me, if God is a good God and a good father, why didn't he, one, save the people that should have been saved and helped when they should have been helped, and why didn't my father receive the full justice that he should have received? And in that moment, the Holy Spirit just sprung up into me. Just versus just. So that's my message today. Just versus just. Do we serve a God of justice or do we serve a God of just enough? Is he going to give you justice? Is he going to give you the things that you're looking for as a good father and a faithful father? Or is he going to give you just enough because he's not really that good of a father? What's he going to do? Okay. And honestly, this, this has been, I didn't look it up. I think this has been uh, in one of my sermons. I have notes full of sermons. Paul was making fun of me yesterday because I was looking through a note of something we did in January, and I couldn't find it because of all the sermons I have in my phone. And so when Kate texted me to, to do this, I already knew what message because it had been in my heart for months and months. And this one actually has been in my uh, sermon docs for over a year, maybe two years now, since that conversation that Paul and I had. And uh, every time someone prays, so take this to your prayer language, I, I hear this message, so it's like the Lord's reminding me every time, and I've been touching on this for the last year or so, quite a bit more this week, <laughs> thanks Kate, oh, kick me in the butt, but we pray sometimes, you know, we bow our head and we say, Father, if you could just give me this, or Father, could you just do that for me? Like we're talking to someone like, hey, if you could just pick up that mic stand and move it for me, that'd be great, right? Or if you've seen the movie Office Space, 
the, 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 the manager that walks in, if you could just move everything and do this for me, that'd be great. Like, that's how we talk to our father, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the man, that, the, the father that parted the Red Sea and allowed the Israelites to walk on dry, dry ground. And we say, if you could just do this for me, that would be great. And since I wrote this stuff down, the word just has been in my head quite a bit. I, I hear it a lot for some reason because I'm thinking about it probably all the time. And Paul has this thing he always says to me, usually when he's trying to get out of trouble for something, <laughs> he'll say, I just love you, okay? Like, usually he's done something really annoying, so don't say, ah, okay? Don't get him off the hook. <laughs> it's usually after he's done something super annoying, and he's like, listen, I just love you. And I usually respond, well, I just love you too. I don't clean, I don't cook, I just love. That's all I do, okay? <laughs> so... That's been our thing for a while now. We even did it yesterday, right? <laughs> so I, I was looking in, uh, looking in the scriptures to see if at any point in time, did anybody pray, Father, if you could just. And I couldn't find it. I, fought, I found Matthew 5.48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father is per- in heaven is perfect. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Therefore, the law is holy and the commandment holy, just and good. Okay. So is it a phrase that we keep saying just, is it just a phrase? Cause since I moved from, I was in Tahlequah to Locust Grove, actually I started here in Owasso and then I moved to Tahlequah and I, I found out this new phrase. It's really great. It's real quick. Everything we do is real quick. And I feel like it's a Cherokee thing. I don't know. I could be wrong because Tahlequah is the capital of the Cherokees. Yep. You're like, yep. But it's not real quick. Not like this microphone is real or my face is real. It's real, real quick. Let's just go over here and do that real quick. You know, real quick. And I spent some time in the Navajo reservation and I didn't hear real quick. There was a lot of, they point like that. In the Philippines, Kay talked about the Philippines. It was the eyebrow raises. That was really messing with me because you'd walk up and they just like, what are you doing? Stop flirting with me. No. In Tahlequah, it's real quick. In Locust Grove, I noticed it's y'all. There's a lot of y'all. I didn't hear much y'all in Oklahoma until I moved to Locust Grove. And now everything I do is, hey, y'all go pick that up and move that over there real quick. So, so just, just go ahead and pull up those first set of scriptures for me, sir. Just versus just. Is God a God of justice or is he a God of just enough? So for my fathers, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them stone instead? Next verse. Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a a snake? Of course not. Next verse. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Right? Father, if you could just not give me a snake when I ask for bread, right? Father, if you could just, just give me the provision that I'm asking for and not the things that you like to do, which is more than enough, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If you could just, right? Go ahead and pull up the message version. I like the message version too. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This isn't a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. God is a good God, a faithful God, an awesome God, yeah? If your children ask for bread, do you trick him with sawdust? Just just imagine, in real life, real life, okay, your child, your friend, your, your father, anybody asks you for bread, and you just go, here, sawdust. That makes absolutely no sense. 
but God, if you could just help me get to work on time, I would love you. Right? No. Okay. Uh, if he asked you for fish, do you dare scare him with a live snake? Although that would make, that would be kind of funny, but no, we're not going to do that on his plate. As bad as you are, as bad as we are, right? Our righteousness is as filthy rags. And I feel like women understand that a little more than men do. But I think we can all get the picture. Filthy rags. That's our righteousness. So as bad as we are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your children. At least. We are at least decent to our own children. So you don't think that God who conceived you in love would be even better? In love. God is love. And he's doing these things in love. How much more, when I go and ask her, my father, is he going to give me? My dad right now, I bet you I could say, hey, dad, I want to buy an airplane. Thousands of dollars. This is what I want to buy. This is what I need. And he'd say, let's make a plan. He wouldn't say, nah, here's some sawdust, Candace. No, he wouldn't do that. I wouldn't, uh, we're going to drive to his house tomorrow to celebrate Father's Day with him for a week, which I don't hardly ever get to do because he lives in New Mexico. And I'm not going to show up and find a snake in my bed because my dad is a good dad. And if him, with his filthy unrighteousness, can do even more for me, then why, when I go to my father, do I ask for just enough? Right? Just enough. <clears throat> oh, no, I have some scriptures I had to look up to you. So I, I feel like we have three parts. Oh, I skipped something. Okay, either we just don't understand who we are when we ask like this, or we just don't understand who God is when we ask these things. So I have God, a God of justice. These are my three points if you like to take notes. A God of just enough and just enough faith. Okay, so uh, a God of justice. And, and, I, and I notice I really like to talk about stories because I feel like stories are the best way to say it. This is how it happened, and this is how God works. So if he did it for them, he can do it for you, right? So I was looking in, uh, and then I don't have the scripture for you guys. So uh, Numbers 12, this is what I was reading the other day, and it, the Lord was spoke, speaking to me about this. Miriam, sister of Moses, helped raise Moses, right? Did all these great things for Moses, walked through the Red Sea with Moses. Oh, my goodness. Eight the manna from the ground had the quails, all these things, but yet came and complained and just said one little complaint against Moses. You know what God did? Leprosy. That's right. For seven days after one complaint against his servant. Is God a good God? A faithful God? A just God? Yes. And if we, uh, his children have complaints against us, will he not guard and protect us? Right? When Cade stands here boldly, will God not say, nope, you're not going to do that against my anointed, right? Even if my anointed is going crazy like Saul later, right? Still, we're still not going to touch the hair of the anointed. And this one I have to, I have to read to you guys because it cracks me up. I had a, a, friend in, a friend in the Lord in Tahlequah years ago. And as he got older, he lost some of his hair and um, bald is what he became. And so this was his favorite scripture because Elisha was doing all these great and mighty things and these children came and started to make fun of him, right? And as they were making fun of them, Elisha cursed them. Then two female bears came out and killed 42 of these children that were cursing him, making fun of him because he had bald hair. But I thought the scriptures were pretty hilarious. And if you suffer from the same affliction of baldness, be, be uh, comforted that the Lord can rise up two bears to eat and kill anyone who says anything against you. Okay? 
says, then he went from there to the Bethel, uh, to Bethel, and as he was going the road, some youths came out from the city and mocked him and said to him, go up, you bald head, go up, you bald head. And then another one says, go away, baldy. They chanted, go away, baldy. <laughs> this one just, you're asking for it, kiddos. And it says that they were a mature and accountable age, so it's not like they're little kids picking on an old person, like they knew what they were doing. The boys came out to the city and mocked him and said, go up in a whirlwind, you bald head. Go up in a whirlwind. Like Elisha was, didn't die. He was taken up in a whirlwind of fire. So they know this, and they're still picking on him, right? On the anointed God, unanointed Elisha. They're still picking on him. So if any of you are afflicted with the baldness that Elisha, the great man of God, was afflicted with, be, be comforted. You could curse them, and bears can come out of the woods, and, and you could take off them, Okay? And this one, this one I think is for me because a lot of times uh, I don't suffer with, with the baldness or not, not a ton of people speak too evil against me. Sometimes, sure, but not, not as much as when people stand up in boldness like Kate is. But I at times come into a situation and I don't feel like I'm being treated well. Like maybe you go to a restaurant and the people aren't very nice to you, right? And if Jesus told his disciples when they went into a town, if they weren't welcomed, brush the dust off your feet, right? Turn around and walk away. And what's going to happen? It'll be worse for them than the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you've read that story, God wiped out everything, even the vegetation he wiped out. So if you're faced with people who are not welcoming to you, who are not treating you right, brush the dust off your feet and move on because you serve a good God, an awesome God, a faithful God, not a God of just enough, but a God of justice. And this is what he does for his children. If he does it for them, he'll do it for you. So let's bring up my absolute favorite story of justice. This is the one I actually wrote down when Paul and I were talking. And it was so funny throughout the year that I've been bringing up this sermon. <laughs> like two days ago, I was looking at it and I didn't understand any of my notes. I'm like, what is this? Why did I write that? Why did I write this? And so I had to go in and study a little bit. So we had sermon. Okay. So we'll just read this for five verses for you. So this is the story of Esther. This is after, um, Queen Vashti was disrespectful to King Xerxes. And if you don't know who King Xerxes was, he was the great uh, leader of Persia, which where his father was where we get the Battle of Marathon. His father, Darius, fought the Greeks. And then uh, they won at Marathon, right? And then they ran back to the capital and shouted, Nike, 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 victory, which was 24.6 or 26.4. I always get the numbers wrong. Okay, so this is after that. This is Darius' son, Xerxes. And later he comes back and fights the Greeks again, which is where we get the movies Sparta, the 300, and the great battles there. So sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of, I practiced this, Hamadatha the Agite, over all the nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. So Haman, this is an important person in the story, he's just been promoted. Next verse. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. So for the king had commandments, but Mordecai refused to bow down and show him respect. Mordecai is the uncle of Esther. We don't know that in the story, but we, we know that in the story. Okay. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? Next verse. They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct since Mordecai had told him he was a Jew. Next verse. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. Okay? So Mordecai, just being Mordecai, I think, was just 
No, I'm not going to do that. Okay? I'm not going to bow down to you. You're not greater than me because I'm a Jew and you're this. Like, that. that's not going to happen. And then later, Mordecai went to the king and told him, hey, listen, these types of people, these Jews, have all this money. And if we just take it, we'll be just filling a storehouse. We'll have all this money set aside so that when you want to go to war, you'll have all these things with you. Because it takes money to go to war. You don't go to war without money or things and possessions. So Mordecai's plan was to take it all from the Jews. And about one year from here, this was happening in April, and then March of the next year, they wanted to pick one day where they gathered all the Jews and they killed them all. And they just took all their belongings and it was going to fill the storehouse so that Xerxes can go and fight his war later. Okay. That was his plan. And Xerxes was like, yeah, I like it. Let's do it. Not knowing that Mordecai was a Jew, that his wife Esther was a Jew, not, not knowing any of this, just saying, yeah, sounds like a good plan. Haman, let's, let's do it. That's, that's great. And then of course, Mordecai doesn't like this. So he tears his clothes. He keeps standing at the gate because he can't go in to see his niece, Esther. Uh, And so he's just up in arms like, Esther, you have to do something. You have to do something. You are here for, let's go to that next verse for me. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if this perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. Just such a time as this. And so even though it could cost her her life, she goes to the king because she's not allowed to go to the king and she hasn't seen him in a month. So I, I, don't, I don't know if that's good or not. I know if I hadn't seen my husband in a month, I probably wouldn't want to see him much more. <laughs> like, fine, get out, <laughs> go, <laughs> right? But she decides to risk it. She prays, she fasts. She has all the Jewish people pray and fast and she sets up a meeting with the king and with Haman. Okay, let's go to my next set of verses. And after this meeting, it was a great meeting. She didn't say anything. She was just like, I just want to please you, my king, my husband. I just want to be nice to you. She wants something, and she knows how to get it. Not asking, but just being really sweet and nice. And then afterwards, Haman is just like, man, I am a great and awesome man. Look at me. I just got promoted. And then he's talking with his friends and family, and it starts here. Then Haman added, and that's not all. So he's bragging to his friends right now. Queen Esther invited only me and the king himself to the banquet she prepared for us. And she's invited me to dine with her and the king again tomorrow. So he's super excited, super excited. Let's go to the next set of verses, sir. Uh, Yeah, next verse. Okay, so then Mordecai is still sitting at the gate, and then he added, but all of this is worth nothing as long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, just sitting there at the palace gate. So even though he has all these things, he's upset still at Mordecai. Next verse. So Haman's wife, Zeresh, and all his friends suggested set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall, and in the morning asked the king to impale Mordecai on it. Now, in other translations, I always read gallows. And I looked it up. I found three gallows translations and two or three pole translations. So don't, don't get bent up upon the pole or the gallows. Okay, we can have a, a, a great divide in the church. Okay, I believe there was gallows. No, I believe it was a pole. Okay, don't, don't, don't worry about that. Don't let that get you divided. Okay, let's stay in unity. 75 feet tall. When this is done, you can go on your merry way to the banquet with the king. This pleased Hangin, and so he set up and ordered the pole. So I was like, yeah, I like that. I'll just put him on a giant pole. That sounds great. 
Okay. Uh, and then uh, after this, of course, <laughs> I thought this was funny. Before all this happened, Mordecai actually saved the king from an assassination attempt, but nothing was ever done. And then later that night, the king couldn't sleep. He just had things rolling in his head. So he wanted just someone to read him the day's events and everything, which I thought was funny because it's exactly what I do when I can't sleep. I just turn on Andrew Womack and I just let him talk at me so I could fall asleep, right? And so then he learned of this and he brought, uh, he's like, man, Haman, come in here. Because Haman just happened to get there, I guess, after he set up the giant pole. It's like, Haman, come in here. Tell me, what should I do for someone who I should just greatly honor? And Haman's like, oh. He's talking about me, right? You should put on the finest robe. Give him a ring of your own. Put him on your horse that you've read and have your highest servant walk with him and say, this is what I do for one that I treasure or one that I want to honor, right? And then Xerxes goes, great, go do it for Mordecai, the man that Haman came to kill. And he's like, oh, so I know he's not happy while he's doing this the day after the banquet, before the next banquet. Right? And then at the dinner, it was so funny. God is so good. God is a God of justice. At the dinner, uh, Esther finally reveals everything. Um, Xerxes, I'm mad at you because your servant's trying to kill me and all my people. And says, Haman's face just goes pale white. Just, just pale. And Xerxes gets up because he's so angry. And uh, if you know anything about Xerxes in, in the general history books, he actually got so angry one time. He was setting out to to just, he was a warrior king. So he sent out his ships to go destroy something. And then the sea, a giant storm came up and the sea crashed the ships. So he ordered his men to go out and whip the sea. Literally said, send them out, get them whips. And they whipped the sea, literally whipped it because the sea will obey me because I am King Xerxes. So this is that king right here. So he hears this, he gets angry, he storms out. Haman eventually, I guess, comes to himself, stands up. But it says that he... It basically, he passed out because of the fear that arose because he knows that Xerxes is going to get some men to kill him. And as he passes out, he falls on Esther. And at this time, Xerxes walks in like this is a movie right here. Xerxes walks in and says, now you're going to assault my wife? We need to kill him now. And so let me have the last verse. Okay. Then, okay. I didn't practice this one. Um, Mr. H, one of the king's eunuchs said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then King Xerxes says, impale Haman on it, the king ordered. On the very pole or gallows, I don't want to divide the church here, on the very thing that Haman created to kill Mordecai, Haman is killed on it. The very thing. That's a God of justice right? And uh, did I put one more verse in there? Yeah, the last verse. <clears throat> and this is just the icing on the cake too. Do I write that one down? Esther eight seventeen. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree, so the king can't change a decree that his signet ring has been on. So he can't change the kill all the Jews march of whatever date they put. But he can change where Jews, you don't have to take it. Stand up, take arms, fight, get get weapons, do whatever it takes. And he sent this everywhere because this is the time where Persia is huge. So he sent this decree from Ethiopia all the way to India, all through this Middle East section, just huge. 
And when the Jews heard about their ability to fight back, they rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves, for they feared what the Jews might do to them. So not only did Haman kill all the Jews, but more were added to them because of what happened. That's a God of justice, right? Not a God of just enough, okay? So that's my God of justice, just enough. Uh, Again, God, if you could just make my boss quit their job because I really don't like them, right? God, if you could please just get Candace to stop talking so we can go to lunch, right? God, if you could just get whoever that person is to stop singing off key in this church, I would come back happy, right? These are the things that actually go through our head. God, if you could just do this thing for me, and it's like we're trying to barter with the king that owns everything. What are you going to give him that he doesn't already have? Who is like the Lord? Who, who is like the Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the alpha, the omega, the almighty, who is like the Lord? What are you going to do or say that's going to change his heart? As a person, nothing. But as a daughter and as a son, anything. I just have to ask. I can just ask my father. Okay? I can't just roll up into Jody's house unannounced and say, feed me. But I can to my dad's. Right? He's my father. So, my suggestion to you, if you believe in a God of just enough, then turn that just enough into just a little faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, right? The smallest, the smallest seed in the earth, just a little, just a little. And we learned from Kate, it's not just faith, but it's also removing doubt, yes? Which is why I wanted to speak to you today about how great and good our Father is. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, yes? He can do it, not us. So when that comes, whatever obstacle you're facing, whether it's a person, usually it's a person with me, or it's an obstacle of money or provision, God is a good God. So... I have some scriptures for you. If you need a God of provision, think about the widow in Elisha. Okay? 2 Kings 4 through 6. I don't think I gave you guys that one. But basically, uh, this widow came to Elisha, a great man of God, and said, again, the bald one that brought the bears in to kill the youth. Okay? My sons are about to be sold into slavery. I need help. And he said, go gather all the jars that you can, and then just take the oil that you have and just start pouring it into the jars. And they poured and they poured and they poured and they poured till she said, I need another jar. And they said, we don't have any. So they sold the oil, the olive oil that they had to pay for the debt. And they kept the rest for themselves. Yeah. God is a God of provision. You come, you ask, this is happening. I need help. Here's your provision. Right. That's, that's my God. Okay. Uh, The woman with the issue of blood in Matthew 9, 20. Did I give you guys this one? Yes. Sweet. So Jesus' disciples got up and went with him. Next verse. Just then a woman who had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe. For she thought, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Now, is that a God of just enough? No, that's a God of just a little faith, right? If I could just, if I could just reach out to Jesus, I know I will be saved. If I could just get over this bad attitude with my boss, I know it's going to be better. If I could just hold on to what God has promised me, I know provision's going to come. Just a little faith. And then Jesus turned around, bless you. And when he saw her and he said, daughter, be encouraged. Your faith, your faith has made you well. The faith of just, if I could just 
touch him. If I could just reach out and get a hold of my Jesus, I know what's going to happen. And the woman was healed at that moment. And then the last one I have for you is Peter on the water. Did I give you guys that one? No? Okay, great. So uh, Peter, right? Jesus is walking on the water and they're scared it's a ghost. <laughs> they're with him every day. They're like, it's a ghost. I'm like, okay. I wasn't there. I can't, I can't judge, right? <laughs> I might have done the same thing. What is that? I don't know. So G- Peter, Peter says, if it's you, call me and I'll walk on the water to you. And he just says, come on. Let's go. Come. He probably said, come on, because that's what we do in Oklahoma, right? Come on. Let's go. Come on. All right. So he calls him out. He walks on the water. But of course, the wind and the seas are roaring and he <laughs> he starts to sink and he calls out and Jesus didn't hesitate. This is what I have. Matthew 14, 31. I have this in the message version. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart. What got into you? That's that doubt that Kate's talking about, right? Because I would dare to say he didn't have a little bit of faith. He had quite a bit of faith. Uh, he was the only disciple to get out of the boat, yes? I, I don't typically go out of boats to walk on the water. I don't typically use that faith of, let's do this, okay? That's quite a bit of faith. This way. But not this way. Right? He had a lot of faith to say, yes, my God can do it. Yes, Jesus can call me and I can walk on this water. Yes, I'm going out here with all the emotions that my God is a good God and an awesome God and a faithful God. And if I need to walk on this water, I will. Elisha did it. I can do it. Here I go. And then he got on the water and went, I forgot everything that I said and felt. And now I'm just sinking. Jesus, help me. And was he faithful? Yes. Just a little faith, right? Just a little, just enough. Get the doubt out. Let the faith build up. You don't have to have a lot to do something. You just got to get everything else out so you can finish your race. So I challenge you. <laughs> you have in my notes. Talk about Cade. <laughs> I really like that message of removed doubt. It's not about get enough faith. Because I heard that forever going to a Baptist church. Well, if we just had enough faith, we'd be able to heal. Now, I was a Baptist for a long time, so I'm allowed to say this. If we just had enough faith... We would be able to go if we just had enough faith. We could lay hands on brother so-and-so and he'll be healed, right? If we just weren't sinners all the time. That's, that's what I heard all the time growing up. But no, no, he had a lot of faith because that's what I was taught. Well, Peter just, just didn't have enough faith. Well, he had a lot more than I do. So what hope do I have, right? What hope do I have if that's not enough? It is enough. It is enough. Just remove the doubt so you can keep walking on the water and continue your journey. Just like Elisha did. Yes, just like the Israelites did. Part of the Red Sea, like that just, it always hits me just to stand there and see water just. And then God's not a just enough God. And he didn't just part the Red Sea. He had to walk on dry ground, right? He didn't just give them bread when they asked for it. He gave them to him every single day except for the Sabbath for 40 years. He didn't just provide for them. He provided clothes for them. He provided shoes for them. When they complained, he gave them quail. He didn't just do what they needed. He did it pressed down, shaken together, running over. It comes back to you, right? He didn't just say, okay, I'm going to give you Moses. Be done and follow him. Trust him. He's a good person, okay? Just like follow Kate. He's a good pastor. I placed him there. Just suck it up and deal with it whenever he says something silly. No, 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 no. 
Moses's face shone so bright that they had to cover it with a veil because the presence of God affected him so much. They got to see that every day and still Miriam's like, I don't know why Moses is doing this. And God instantly, as soon as it came out of her mouth, it was leprosy, completely white. Get out of the camp for seven days because you've done wrong. And that was only, he didn't kill her because Moses said, now God, let's not do this. She is my sister, right? And honestly, I, I, I bet you some of us have some family members be like, you know what, God? I don't know if I can have the faith of Moses to request that she be saved, okay? All right, strike the leprosy. And when I feel like it, I might pray for that family member, but that's what happened, right? But not only that, God, God's presence was there in the camp every day. He was a cloud in the day and fire at night. He was there every day. They would wake up. Is the cloud there? Great. We're staying here today. Is the cloud there? No, I guess we're moving today. Let's pack it all up. Let's move. Let's go. God's presence was there. Just like God's presence is here. Yes. Yes. Okay. And if God would do that for them, he'll do that here because I have it even better than they did. Right. I don't even have to worry about parting the Red Sea or walking on dry ground, but I knew if I need it, God would do it. But God's presence is here. I don't go to Cade to ask, where do I need to go, God? Where do I need to go? Should I cut my hair? Should I not cut my hair, God? Right? Should I do this? Should I do that? No, right here. That's all I have to do. I have to go right here because my God's a good God. Okay? So remove just from your prayer. Unless you're asking for just a little faith, right? Remove just. God is not a God of just enough, but he's a God of justice. He's a God of, you need it. I got it. What happened? I'm going to take care of it. You know, heaven help the person that hurts me because my, my dad, not my father in heaven, but my dad, oh man, he would take care of it. I have no doubt in my mind that if whatever reason, my loving husband, Paul, who loves and adores me all day, every day, if whatever reason, Paul hurt me, I know without a shadow of a doubt, his body will be buried in New Mexico before I could even say dad. Am I right, Paul? I'm sure he's even said that to you without me knowing about it. Has he said that to you? Yeah. Yeah. And that's my dad, not, not my father. That's my dad. So if my dad will do it, my father will do it way more. Yes? Okay. And again, he's a God of give and it will be given back to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. That's what's going to happen. Like rocks, brown sugar, whatever it takes to get that image in your head, pressed down, shaking together and running over. It'll come back to you in many ways. And again, I was talking about spiritual fathers. So my flight instructor is a spiritual father to me. He was the campus minister when I was at NSU. And we went flying, I don't remember. It was like two days ago. I don't remember Thursday, Friday, whatever day was two days ago. <laughs> And he would ask me what was going on. I was like, oh, yeah, my pastor asked me to speak this Sunday. And then he's just, what are you going to speak on? And I said, well, this is what's been in my heart for a while. <sighs> Did you hear that? Wow. <sighs> Locust. <laughs> this has been in my heart for a while. So, <clears throat> so he said, well, he just spouted off all these scriptures at me and just started talking to me about all these things because he's a father in the Lord. Yes. It doesn't matter who you are. We are all men. Not, not we are all. I don't want to get in more trouble. <laughs> You men are all fathers in one way or the other to the children that you have or the children that are next to you. You don't know. Okay. Carrie could be a father to Paul. (laughs) 
You could be a father to many. You, you've been my spiritual father for many years. Many of the men in here have been my spiritual fathers, people that I look up to and just Mark, obviously a one. Tim, just there's so many of you here that are spiritual fathers. Anthony. And then this morning, I woke up early to go over this message again. And before I even woke up, I had a text from my spiritual father, Tom Tucker. I woke up at 6. He sent me a text at 5.58. And he said, Candace, or actually just said K. As I was presenting you and your teaching before the Lord this morning, this came to mind. Justified, just as you never sinned. Sanctified, made whole, adopted, brought into a new family, redeemed, paid for. When you go into the grocery store, you put your items in the basket. When you check out, you pay for them. They become yours. Yeah? Saved. Someone else pays for you. Rescued. You were recovered from a situation you couldn't save yourself. And all these end with an ED. My English teacher said, if it ends with an ED, it's already happened. Each of these words describe what has happened because of Christ. Right? Amen. So that's what my spiritual father texted me this morning. And so that's just my sermon. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.